Good morning. We just finished another great Ask ACES, and today's topic was water quality and farming, achieving the Illinois Nutrient Loss Reduction Strategy Goals. I'm sitting here today with the ACES water team, and uh, specifically, I'm going to be spending some time visiting with Dr. Laura Christensen. She's a research assistant professor here in the Department of Crop Sciences. She began her research extension role last September, and she did her dissertation work in agricultural engineering at Iowa State University, where she focused on the improvement of agricultural drainage water quality using simple farmer-friendly practices. We're also sitting here with Jonathan Kopus. He is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Agricultural and Consumer Economics. He was formerly chief counsel for the U.S. Senate Agriculture Committee and administrator of the Farm Service Agency. He is currently focusing on agricultural policy and law here at the University of Illinois. Jonathan was raised on his family's farm in Ohio and earned his bachelor's degree at Miami University and his law degree at the George Washington University Law School. And the third person with us this morning is Dr. Paul Davidson, an assistant professor in agricultural and biological engineering. He grew up on a farm near Newton, Illinois, before completing his degrees here in agricultural and biological engineering at the University of Illinois. He then spent four years in environmental consulting, researching and monitoring the fate and transport of agricultural pesticides from non-point sources of pollution before returning back to academia. His research now focuses on nutrient, chemical, and microbial transport. So these three experts provide a really unique perspective on water quality and some of the issues that we're facing today. And so we want to spend some time talking about nutrient loss specifically. So to get us started, um, Dr. Christensen, could you talk to us about what nutrient loss means and how nutrients actually get into the water? Hi, thanks for having us today, Jennifer. Sure. Uh, When we talk about nutrient loss, we're primarily talking about the nutrients nitrogen and phosphorus. Of course, our plants growing in our fields need nitrogen and phosphorus to grow, but the real concern is when that nitrogen and phosphorus move from our fields, they can get into our water, our streams, our creeks, our drainage ditches, um, and that's where they start to cause a problem, simply from moving from the field where we want them to the water where we don't want them. So why is nutrient loss a concern and who should care? Mr. Kopus, could you answer that one? Sure. I think we begin with understanding that, that we all should care. Uh, water is a very important resource for, uh, for drinking, for recreation, and obviously for things like commercial fisheries down in, all the way down in the Gulf and throughout the, the river systems. And so this is a concern uh, not only for the farmer, but for all of us who use the water. It's a concern for the farmer because this is a loss, this is a cost to them. They pay for that nitrogen, they pay for those nutrients nutrients and losing them then is, is, is losing money uh, into the water supply and then we have costs that clean it up and we have the impacts on the on the fishing and recreational industries that come out of it as well. So Dr. Davidson, what are the impacts of nutrient loss both on the crops that need them and on the water that is carrying them? So when we think about the crop side, uh, farmers, of course, don't want to apply more fertilizers than they need. And in turn, they don't want to lose those fertilizers because it has a pretty significant or it can have a significant impact on the profitability of their operations, both by lowering the yield and also by losing the nutrients. When we look at the water side, it typically leads to algae growth or algal blooms due to the nitrogen and phosphorus in the water. So what's this concern with algae in the water? So algae growth is the biggest issue that we deal with in terms of nutrient loss in water. And this happens when algae grows because of an abundance of nitrogen and phosphorus. But the real concern is when that algae dies and decomposes, 
the bacteria and other microbes consume the oxygen in the water and deplete it to a point where fish either can't survive or they're forced to migrate to other places. Algae can have other uh, impacts as well due to property values because of um, areas not be aesthetically pleasing and it can also have water quality concerns especially in cases where the algae may be toxic and we've seen cases of this across the country in recent years. So one of the questions that came up on our chat today revolved around this issue of if we weren't growing crops but remain prairie how much nitrogen would we lose? Dr. Christensen can you take that question? Sure this is a great question that comes up a lot in terms of uh, my extension programming. Of course over the past thousands and millions of years, Illinois, the natural land use in many parts of Illinois was natural prairie. But thinking about Illinois today, you know, prairie doesn't tend to feed a whole lot of folks. And so we have many, many acres of good corn and soybeans and other crops in Illinois. The important thing to realize about prairie versus how we do agriculture today is that there's two main differences. First of all, historic natural prairie wouldn't be tile drained. Many of you know that we have millions of acres of tile drainage pipes in our state because it's an integral way of how we do agriculture. Those tile drains allow us to lower the water table in those fields that would otherwise be too wet in the spring to get our tractors into and too wet to plant. And so prairies aren't tile drained, whereas modern crops are. Other difference with prairies and modern crops that we grow is that a a prairie is a perennial system. And that's opposed to the corn and soybeans that we grow today are annual crops. The fact that prairie is a perennial means that it grows for most of the year. And then over the winter, it stays there protecting the soil, keeping the soil in place, and keeping the soil from washing off. And so those two main differences mean that if we were still a prairie state, we would lose very little nitrogen. Now, in terms of what we're talking about today with nutrient loss and then Illinois nutrient loss reduction strategy, the closest practice that get to having prairies across our state would be to grow a perennial energy crop or have a diversified extended rotation that includes a perennial like alfalfa. And so if that's the practice that you're interested in, that practice reduces nitrogen loss by about 90% compared to a conventional system. What is the most effective way that farmers can reduce nutrient loss? This is another great question. And the benefit of our Illinois nutrient loss reduction strategy is that we recommend a variety of practices. Now we have infield management practices, edge of field practices, and then land use changes. And the benefit of recommending a variety of practices is that we feel like no one specific practice will work on every single acre, but every single acre does need at least one new practice. And when I'm asked to think about what's the best practice, you know, keep in mind that there's practices that have really high nutrient loss reduction efficiencies. Like I just mentioned, the perennial or energy crops having a 90% nitrogen loss reduction. But then you can also think about efficiency in terms of cost efficiency. How much will this practice cost me either per acre or cost how much will it cost me in terms of pounds of nitrogen that I keep in my field? So Dr. Davidson, how do we balance loss reduction, water quality, and food supply concerns? That's a very good question. As scientists, and engineers and policymakers, our goal with this whole Illinois nutrient loss reduction strategy is to find a compromise and figure out how we can reduce impacts on water quality while maintaining or improving crop uh, yields and food supply. Um, And we can divide the practices, I guess, into two general areas. So infield practices, which would be things like using uh, winter cover crops. So you could plant a winter cover crop during the time of year when you wouldn't have your cash crop in the field. So you're maintaining your standard corn, soybean rotation 
for instance, um, while implementing a practice that should improve or reduce the amount of nutrients leaving that field. We could also look at edge of field practices, and these are practices that are, uh, like it says, on the edge of a field, and they're things like buffer strips, bioreactors, as well as wetlands, and these uh, practices would collect the water as it leaves the field and treat the water to reduce uh, nitrogen and phosphorus. Dr. Christensen, can you tell us a little bit more about bioreactors? A wood chip bioreactor is a good example of those edge of field practices that Dr. Davidson just mentioned. Most simply put, a wood chip bioreactor is a mini water treatment system that scrubs nitrogen out of tile drainage water after it leaves the field but before it gets to the stream. A wood chip bioreactor is really just a trench filled with wood chips that you route your drainage through and inside the trench there's good bacteria that take the nitrate out of the water and convert it to nitrogen gas. So Mr. Kobus, let's talk a little bit about some economics here. With low commodity prices, what impacts do you see in farmers' attitudes towards nutrient loss and water quality strategies? Sure, and this is a topic on many farmers' minds today with, with big harvests and, and lower, lower prices. You know, I think one of the things we got to keep in mind, first and foremost, is that farming is itself a long-term investment, a long-term management strategy, and so so are many of these practices. You know, these are not things that, that are going to make uh, drastic changes overnight or even within one growing season. We're going to talk about and think about a strategy over a longer term that improves uh, your soil, that improves the, the ability to, to reduce nutrient loss, and eventually maybe even help things like the, the, the farmland itself and, and yields and increase sort of that productive capability. So these are, these are long-term matters. I think farmers understand that. I think you see, um, I think it's, I think we've seen a great response from from Illinois agriculture in trying to step up and help reduce nutrient loss, put in place strategies, put resources behind this effort. And I think you see the attitude amongst farmers is, is one that is, is really, um, is grasping the situation, grasping the challenge, and working pretty hard to begin to reduce that nutrient loss and make improvement. But again, this is a long-term issue. Uh, it's been a long-term in the making, and it's going to be a long-term in working on it. So we've talked a lot about farmers but, you know, they aren't the only contributors. What are factories in urban areas doing to help with the nutrient loss issue? Dr. Christensen, could you address that? The important thing to remember about nutrient loss in Illinois is that we really are in this together, whether you live in a rural area or an urban area. Urban areas are very important because if you're on a city or a municipal water system, every time you flush your toilet, those nutrients go to a a wastewater treatment plant. And of course, Chicago has some of the biggest wastewater treatment plants in the nation. And frankly, the Chicago Metropolitan Sewerage District are really at the leading edge of implementing new technologies to help clean that nitrogen and phosphorus out of the water that gets sent to them from all these toilets, clean those nutrients out of the water before they send it downstream. And so they're really a critical part. Uh, Chicago and other cities in Illinois are a critical part of helping us reduce the amount of nutrients that we send downstream. It's also important to realize that in urban areas, runoff from lawns and golf courses and parking lots also contributes to nutrients that we send downstream. And so there's a lot of urban areas looking at ways we can reduce runoff to help reduce our nutrient loss. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think just to add on to that, Laura makes a great point that this, this is really a strategy across the state that everybody's involved with. Here in the College of Aces, of course, we have a, a pretty strong focus on agriculture and on what farmers can do. And, and the three of us and our research and work uh, is, is very much focused on farmers. So we've talked about that a lot, I think, just because of, of the focus uh, that we bring to it. And the uh, incredible opportunity for Illinois farmers to actually make a real impact here, right? This 20-some million acres of farmland in this state changes across that footprint can really reduce nutrient loss. And so we've we focused a lot on that. So what role do federal policies play in reducing nutrient loss, Mr. Kopis? Sure, thanks. The, you know, federal policies, I think when we think of them, we, we begin with uh, the conservation policies. They're in the Farm Bill that Congress puts together every five, six, sometimes seven years, depending on, on the, the process. Uh, this is where the federal investment, and it's a large investment, billions of dollars a year. It's, it's considered the, the single largest federal investment uh, in conservation on private lands. Uh, and so those dollars go to farmers and landowners to help offset the costs, help offset some of the technical challenges of adopting practice practices and getting them into the fields and on the farms and, and making sure they work. So a lot of those policies uh, can help. Uh, you know, we think of, of regulatory issues like the EPA and Clean Water Act and some of those things, but and that's certainly part of, of sort of the overall water quality issue. But I think when we, we, we need to look at the positive uh, contribution from federal policies through things like uh, the conservation programs and the Farm Bill. So let's talk a little bit about the lawsuit um, in Des Moines and how does that relate to this issue? Yeah, so this is a tough uh, issue. It's it's a lawsuit that's underway in federal court. It's a long way from being resolved, and we don't know how that's going to come out. But there's a couple things that, that really sort of hit home about this lawsuit. First off, it's against drainage districts, and, and because it's uh, targeting drainage districts for the nitrates in the water, this is coming back to farmers. And so this really brings this nutrient loss issue uh, home to the farm and to the farmers. Uh, it has the potential of changing the way we think of the Clean Water Act and what is currently considered an exemption for Agriculture, uh, agricultural uh, runoff is not a part. Stormwater runoff is not covered by regulation of the Clean Water Act. This lawsuit is challenging that and is looking at the drainage system as something that is not a natural agricultural runoff situation. And so, the potential behind this lawsuit is that it could change very much how uh, the Clean Water Act interacts with farming, with agriculture, and with drainage systems. And, you know, I think, like I said, it, it really brings this home to farmers because these are local municipal communities that are that are uh, in conflict with, with, with agriculture and drainage over something as important as drinking water. And so I think it's really highlighted the issue. Uh, and in conversations with farmers across the state, they're paying attention, and it is helping to sort of encourage more and more work to get this nutrient loss reduction strategy in place and successful in the state. So on our chat today, one of our participants asked a, asked a pretty simple question, but I thought it was worth asking you guys again today. How would you grade Illinois in terms of water quality and nutrient loss? Dr. Davidson, do you want to take that? Sure. So if we look at Illinois as a whole, it's, it's a large state. It's a lot of subsurface tile drainage in our state. And year after year, we're also one of the largest corn producers. In addition to that, we also have large urban areas, especially in, in the Chicago area. So it makes sense that year after year, we'd be one of the larger contributors of nutrients to the Gulf of Mexico. The other side of that is it gives us an opportunity to really make 
some some improvements and and reduce the amount of nutrients that we're losing. All across the state, we have people from academia here at the university, as well as regulatory agencies and private industry as well, coming together to see how we can best address this issue, how we can just, just make the issue of the Gulf of Mexico a little less bad. So to wrap things up today, guys, what can producers do if they want to reduce nutrients but don't know which practices are best for their operation? I'm endlessly encouraged by talking with um, landowners and drainage contractors and crop advisors across the state who are asking this question and trying to figure out how they can plug in to being a part of this nutrient loss reduction solution. Folks are interested in ways that things they can do on their farms. We encourage them to reach out to their local Illinois Extension Office, 10 field days like Agronomy Day here at the University of Illinois. We also encourage folks to talk with their local NRCS, look up the Council for Best Management Practices website, that's CBMP's website. And then we also have a great water conference coming up at the university, the Illinois Water Conference, that'll be at the end of October. And so stay posted for more information on that. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. And it's a very uh, exciting topic. Appreciate the research that you guys are doing. And again, thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Aces. And we'll be in touch with you guys again soon. 